You're listening to the Venture to the Top podcast. I'm your host, Jasmine Sukhnanen. I'm a financial journalist turned aspiring VC, and I've been building my skills and expertise in the space over the last year. The North Star of my career has always been two things. Number one, to always aspire and inspire. And number two, to give people the resources they need to make the decisions that best suit their needs. That mission has been the driving force in my media career, and now it's the driving force in my VC career. I launched this podcast because I wanted to create a space for you to learn from the experiences of top VCs and startup founders, and to help you decode and understand the industry. So maybe one day you'll launch your own fund, or grow a startup, or write angel checks, or begin your own VC career. Today's guest is Natalie Neptune. She's the founder of the Group Chat Queen and Gen ZT, and she's also had a hand in launching hundreds of online communities. On top of that, she's a LinkedIn top voice for 2023. I feel like I've known Natalie for close to a year now. We've orbited in the same space for so long, so I just had to have her on the show. In today's episode, we're talking all about how to build a community that lasts, especially during a time when it feels like everyone has built some sort of community of followers or customers, and they're leveraging those engaged fans in extremely creative ways. These tips apply whether it's for your startup, your professional brand, or even your VC fund. Natalie, thank you so much for being on Venture to the Top. Yeah, it's great to join you. So we're going to talk all things community building in the venture and startup space. But first, remind me, you're a graduating college senior, correct? Yes, I have one more class to finish in fall. Then I'll finally have my undergrad degree in civil engineering. That's awesome. Congrats. So how did you learn about VC as a student and what role did community play? For you on your college campus? Yeah, so really how I learned about VC was track back about like a year ago. So beginning of 2022, I was kind of exploring different platforms, kind of researching things on the side. And I came across Gen Z VC, which is actually a community created by the queen of VC, Megan Boyce. And I had accessed her Slack community, which had 20,000 people through her website. And I had no idea what VC was like at all. So through that, I kind of was like, what is VC? So I Googled it and I was like, oh my gosh, like you can network with people like for fun. I didn't even know that was like even possible because it was something I was already doing. And tying back into... um kind of like going to like college and what community meant. So I didn't have a VC community at all at my university. So even though I go to Penn State University, Penn State University has 19 campuses and I go to the second biggest one and that is located in Harrisburg. So there was no VC activity going on at all. So in sense of community, I found actually a community through a lot of international students and also like the church community there. So it wasn't even related to VC like at all. And 
um, in terms of VC, how I kind of built community was actually virtually. That's awesome. When I think back to my undergrad university, I went to Stony Brook. Honestly, like we did have business school there and stuff like that, but I don't remember ever hearing about a venture capital club on campus. Honestly, I don't really remember any extracurriculars built around business and finance other than, you know, the business fraternity on campus. So it, for me, like it's definitely been a refreshing surprise to see so many online communities built around business and finance for people who are interested in having careers like VC. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. And like at our school, like I think because I was a civil engineer, I really wasn't in the kind of business realm. I only took one business class and I ended up being like the best student in the class because I was already getting the flow of VC stuff. And that was later um, towards the end of 2022. But um, yeah, like it was overall really really different experience than someone that was probably already in business school kind of knew about the different clubs and organizations but yeah that's awesome and Megan's Gen Z VC communities is such an awesome example of online community building and I know that Megan um, was previously an associate at a VC firm um, and that was kind of how she got her start in the space so like going off of that, how have you seen other individual VCs and even VC firms promote community within the space? And based on that, what do you think kind of works and what doesn't work? Yeah, so a big thing now that's really big in VC is the platform role that has um, been pretty much seeing increase, um, dramatic increase of people getting roles which is like kind of six different um, areas. There's talent, ESG, there's um, marketing, there's community and some other different um, positions such as like business development. And that has really been a way that VC firms have been able to kind of differentiate themselves from other firms and be able to build, for example, one of the roles is a community. As you've seen, like some firms have um, a head of community person or like um, someone that specializes kind of in community. So I've seen that been has done has been dramatically increasing in the past um, couple years. And there's a great platform called like um, VCPlatform.com where they do a complete study about the rise of platform roles, which is hasn't been really popular until this decade um, in this rising like um, century because it didn't really exist, particularly community and ESG are the rising ones that haven't been really as popular before, but are seeing more popular, as you know, community is a hot topic right now. And of course, being environmentally friendly and um, climate change has been a reoccurring topic coming up a lot. And it also sounds like a lot of these platform-oriented roles are really a great opportunity for people who maybe don't come from that traditional finance background to be involved in the business of a VC firm. So I feel like that allows for 
far more diversity in terms of the skills people can bring to the table for a firm. Yeah, yeah, totally. So let's talk a little bit about how to start a community of your own. I know that you are the self-proclaimed group chat queen, and I know that you've also had a hand in helping to assist so many different communities in the VC and startup space. And, you know, that's, first of all, fantastic. So congrats on that. But what are some initial things that you think others should be thinking about? when it comes to deciding to start their own online community and particularly in the VC and startup space? Yeah, like for me, it really goes in looking internally like at yourself, like how do you define community? Cause kind of talking to people, like everyone defines community different and going into like, what are your personal morals? What are your personal values? What do you value in a community? And all this stuff like really helps you to create overall overarching your own personal brand. So when people see you like in person, when people see you on digitally, since we're talking about digital platforms, they can kind of be like, oh, this person such as Megan, you know her as the Gen Z VC queen. Like I know she knows all things about Gen Z and VC and switching over to me, like for the group chat queen, I created to be known for like oh she's the one that knows a lot about building group chats but particularly in global communities so like it really helps like kind of having an overarching personal brand and then going back into looking internally on yourself what are your own values what are your own morals so you can overall create that personal brand for yourself so when people are looking at you they can be like oh my gosh like I kind of get what they're trying to go at like I kind of get kind of like whether I will want to connect with this community or not. Since a big thing now is not having, you know, a couple million followers, but having a really close-knit niche community. That's a big hot topic. Now is focusing on niche communities that um, may be really highly Pacific, for example, to your own morals and values and your own overarching personal brand, which will only attract certain people and certain audience members. So that's like the overall like kind of just I would definitely recommend like for you guys listening to definitely touch on upon like your own um insider like thoughts, feelings, emotions, and really have a good sense of what you like and don't like. What are some, I guess, questions or like prompts people can use to kind of really nail what is important to them what their values are because honestly Mm -hmm. I feel like we don't spend enough time Mm -hmm. thinking about these questions as Mm -hmm. they relate to ourselves and you know there are so many different reasons for that you know like current events like just life happening is one of the many reasons like you know who really has the time when you know rent is due utilities have to be paid Mm -hmm. you gotta work like 40 plus hour weeks you know so how how can you kind of guide people down that road to start Mm -hmm. really uncovering what's important to them and what Mm -hmm. they want to embody in their own community or even in their own business yeah so I really going back into getting involved in everything I know for me, freshman year in college, I got involved in almost all the clubs on campus. So I started to realize what I like and what I don't like. So I was in student government, 
like head of a diversity inclusion um officer I realized I didn't want to be in government that was a checkoff box um I delved into more of what let's like think about what other stuff did I do um well it was really I know student government was a big one um I worked for like career services I realized I really like that but maybe not like full-time so really it's just like checking off the boxes by trying a lot of different opportunities and things like oh like theater club like maybe you're interested in that but maybe not as much as you thought so like that really helps you figure out like going back to what you were talking about like um your morals and values trying to figure out just getting involved in a bunch of different things um for me at a young age I kind of already kind of knew my morals and values just because of like my Christian faith so I kind of had those already kind of set for me but going into more like the interest stuff I wasn't really particular on what things I wanted as a as many of the audience members may identify being like a multi-passionate or a polymath and getting told oh my gosh why are you involved in all this stuff why don't you just pick one or be a specialist now don't be a generalist <laughs> and I think that's like a misconception like with Gen Z we a lot of us are generalists you know by nature and sometimes um, you can over time figure out what degree it's kind of like shifting degree how much you like things and how much you don't like things and figure out oh let me do more of this let me do less of this like I love drawing but I haven't drawn in years I still draw the same um level as I was in elementary school because I decided that wasn't something I was going to pursue as much even though I liked it but it's all degrees so I think really everyone just like taking a little um look at the resources around them the communities around them and joining them when they you don't really know what you want and overall just starting to do that little weighing like taking a little balance and weighing okay what what do I like the most what's going to help me the most weighing all those pros and cons and taking those and yeah, pretty much running with those do you consider yourself a multi-passionate person yeah, I'm definitely multi-passionate. And I even go now to say a polymath because polymath um, is more like a d person that's highly skilled in multiple things. So I like to pull up actually one of my friends that gave me this magazine is called like, it was about Leonardo da Vinci. He was pretty much a multi-passionate. He was talented, you know, in art and all these different things. And even looking at like, Currently, um, I like to use Mae Jemsen, who was one of the first like African-American women like in space. She was a multi-passionate um, multi as she was interested in aerospace, but she also knew a bunch of different languages and had a bunch of different interests. So I'm big on like not letting people say, oh, this is what you are. You need to become a specialist because that may not be. Don't let people put you in a box, you know. For sure. I definitely consider myself extremely multi-passionate. I think I'm a learn-it-all. In my mind, there's nothing that I can't figure out how to do and do extremely well. So that's definitely a huge skill of mine. And truthfully, up until this year, I almost saw that as a roadblock, which is so unfortunate because I feel like, you know, just the things that we encounter on a daily basis in our lives they all try to put us into that box they all try to tell us to pick one thing to specialize like 
you can't be interested in X, Y, and Z. You can't do X, Y, and Z really well. You have to do this other thing really well, you know? So we live in a world where it's normal to not be able to express all of the skills and all of the talents that you have on a regular basis, you know? So up until recently, like that was, that was kind of like my like trouble when it came to finding a way to specialize and finding, I guess, a niche. But then I kind of have learned to sort of hone that, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm a multi-passionate person and I can't even begin to list out all the ways that that is such a huge advantage to any individual and to any team yeah that's like really just really interesting like being like multi-passionate and a polymath like even over time like you can realize like with me I realized community building community like it helps me being a multi-passionate because think about it in the room like I just mentioned someone from NASA could be there how can you relate to someone that's in NASA or whatever? How can you relate to someone that's like um, works like at a factory or something? Like it helps having all these different interests so you can easily relate to other people. So when they're talking, like, I don't know, recently at an event I went to in Chicago, um, I was talking to a lot of people that were older than me, but I was able to relate to them because I learned about insur- life insurance policies, the importance of life insurance policies, and they specialized in that field. And that was what they kind of really knew. And the fact that I just had basic knowledge on that, they were like, wow, you're a Gen Z and you really know about life insurance. And it's kind of cool. Like they continue to support me. So it's kind of interesting, like, being a multi-passionate can like really help you because you're able to connect with all different people because there's at least something you can find in common with them. So that's how I think of it as like kind of a gift because then you can connect with anyone. I love that you bring up that point of connection because it also serves us so well as a VC when we're speaking to founders, especially if we're at a firm that's a little bit more generalist, Mm -hmm. it helps so much. Like Pretty recently, I found myself encountering founders in our deal flow pipeline from various different ecosystems. And I consistently found myself like, oh, I have experience in this ecosystem, or I have done something in this ecosystem previously, right? Like, I I feel like my career journey has been pretty rich so far. So as an example, like last week, I was speaking to founders who were building in the creator economy. And I was so hyped, like creator economy isn't a space that I focus on a ton. But I was so hyped because I was like, I was a former micro influencer, I built this, you know, blog, this brand when I was a student in college. And, you know, I immediately related to one of the co founders, you know, and he was really excited to have met, you know, someone on the investment team who understood the space from having had firsthand experiences in that space. Yeah, that's actually so funny. You made me think of like, as I'm actually a civil engineering major. So a big thing is I did a lot of undergrad research through um REU programs, which are called research experience for undergrads, which are honestly the best experience I recommend 
and like everyone to go check them out because it's for both domestic and international students is like through that experience I was able to learn more of the academia side because usually people you know in academia they're head-on like passionate about that one topic that they're they specialize in so I really got to learn a lot of more like talking with other grad students and professors that were kind of in that frame and it was just like so like interesting learning about kind of that perspective of things so and through that as a civil engineering student doing having done research in civil engineering I kind of kind of relate to founders in the climate tech ring because usually they had like usually were engineer or something that are scientists that they really specialize in the product that they're building and I can kind of understand because I researched all this stuff about like um, environmental engineering and about climate change like pretty much our school have partnered with Project Drawdown which is one of a really popular um, organization which created a bunch of solutions on how to solve climate change Exactly. You have that empathy for the space because you've already had those experiences. You know, there's not much that has to go on in terms of handholding to get up to speed on the topic and to get up to speed on the inner workings or anything like that. So that's great. So we know that you know, it's real it, building a community really starts with understanding our values, understanding what we're about, what we love, what we're passionate about. So what happens when you narrow it down a little bit? You're like, okay, I know what I stand for. I know what I would like to create. I know who I would like to speak to and who I would like to build resources for. What happens if you notice that there's kind of already a lot of communities out there that are basically the same mm -hmm. as the community you want to start building. What do you do then? Yeah, a big thing I'm just like is like using content creating. So just posting things that even if it's similar to a certain brand or that you see, like even I've got inspiration from people from various different fields and I kind of use the bits of what they put into their personal brand into mine um but if okay if it's exactly identity a big thing I'm just like posting content your content will never be completely the same as the mm. other person that they're posting it will never be and think about your face your face is in like the same face as them so just literally showing your true authentic self is just as is a big thing with gen z in general like feel free to like videotape yourself like talking about a topic you're passionate you know showing all your emotions like your hand if you're into like me hand gestures stuff like that like showing your true authentic self to your audience can make people really resonate with you and really want to connect with you because I know for me like I saw Megan Lois and I immediately loved how she she wasn't afraid to like dress with bright colors I never saw anyone in business that was willing to kind of like you know dress their true authentic selves even if it's early like 20th century kind of wear and I was like oh my gosh immediately I know I want to support you because it's just like so different so that's why I'm saying even if it's completely the same 
the way you look, you may be a different um, ethnicity as that person and different gender as that person. You may dress differently, you know, carry yourself differently. You may have even like your language, you may have a dialect if you came from another country or something. Like there's all these little things that like can make you a little authentically you and authentically different, even if you have a similar message as someone else. It's just big, as I said, posting content and posting like, videos and you know doing webinars and things showing your face and showing how you express yourself so there's this lawyer on tiktok and you know her entire brand is that she worked at some law firm i don't know the name of the firm but she worked at some law firm for years and was constantly made to feel like the odd one out because she was the only lawyer at the firm who would go to court wearing all pink and you know people on her team didn't like that whatever so she left and started her own law firm and now everyone there wears all pink you know she she's she has such a cool account and like whenever I think of like lawyers in general or even just TikTok lawyers like she's the very first person who comes to mind because she differentiated herself in that way yeah like even I know there's some people that in their videos they always have some item like for example like I'll have this I don't know like hand claw like rawr <laughs> to the audience I don't know that could be their intro in every video how raw are you I don't know something like that with my skeleton hand <laughs> or whatever like something that people put consistently in even if everything else is basic like there could be anything simple that you like to do like oh you like to be in your pjs every video that's just your thing you like pajamas you like onesies like that's your thing just carrying that out in every video or the pictures you take like just being like there's little things that you can do like to add to be like unique and different yeah that's awesome or if you like you're a venture capitalist who loves drinking iced coffee and doing podcasts now you have the coffee and capital podcast or something like that yeah because it's funny someone even irrelated to dc uh, is Kelly Stamps like I just know she loves tiramisu like that's a big thing she always talks about that and she loves her like k-pop like that's how I really liked her because she was another African-American woman that loves k-pop and I'm like oh my gosh I love k-pop too so mainly I felt a connection so a big one like even like if everything's completely the same as someone else is adding in you know those little things that make you authentically you like if you like anime if you like drawing, if you like sleeping, like that could be a thing that could deeply resonate with someone. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's great how it once again comes right back to this idea of knowing yourself mm-hmm. and being true to yourself in that way. Yeah. So we have the values. Uh, we have the confidence to now move forward and, you know, break into that community space so what tools exist for launching your online community yeah so I mean there's so many different platforms I know you touched a little bit upon like the creator economy but I know like someone I like to say like what I use I don't use anything like I don't pay for anything with anything being like, you know, um, for LinkedIn, becoming a top LinkedIn voice, I didn't do anything different or unique. 
um, for me. So there's so many different tools, like choosing the platform you want to be in, like whether you're more Instagram, more Instagram with the pictures and the videos, or if you're more into like text content, so being like more LinkedIn, or you're more into like TikTok, just doing like videos and stuff like that. Like really selecting at least one platform and just playing around, you know, just playing around with the platform, figuring out like what you like, what you don't like and editing videos or whether it's editing videos or doing text, like kind of like figuring out like what you kind of like, because already on the platforms, they have the bill, you have the ability to edit, you know, um, using you know, they have their own editor for like Instagram, like you can already edit your stuff right in the app. And then for LinkedIn, a lot of times I use like a chat GPT to correct my gra- grammatical errors. So for me, I pay for the premium, which is like $20, I think per month. So that's what I kind of use to make sure I'm prone to grammatical area errors. I know that even the way I speak, sometimes I use grammatical errors I know that about myself so I made sure to use um, a resource like ChatGPT to kind of like edit my content to make sure I'm not using the wrong tense the tense and stuff like that so for me that's what I use I also use for example I like to do collages so I use like landing space because they they are a consumer tech and they help create you know when you were a little kid creating all those collages with you know cutting out magazines and putting little like things that you identify with on a piece of paper they have a digital version of that so occasionally sometimes I'll use that if I have like all these pictures that I want to show people on LinkedIn I'll just put those all together on there and then of course I'll download that and put that as my image um, so little things like that. And I think there's story art. I've used that occasionally for images. If I wanted to have multiple pictures too, if I didn't want it to be a collage, but just separate pictures. But yeah, there's a lot of different other platforms. I sure like you also use a lot of different platforms, but um, I use really basic stuff like ChatGPT and yeah, just basic stuff. Yeah, in terms of platforms, um, I, I I definitely know that there are so many really popular things. Um, first of all, the landing space sounds like it it's like a really you know digestible, easy to use version of Canva. Canva because I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of times, like Canva has just be- become so second nature to me that when I want to like create a collage, it kind of takes a while. So <laughs> I'll definitely check out landing space. But as far as tools go, you know, I'm definitely part of a few communities that use Geneva to, Mm. you know, uh, moderate their community and Mm. to share resources among their community. Mm. Geneva, for people who don't know, is kind of like Slack. Um, When I first downloaded it, it was branded as the Slack for Gen Z. Um, But it's, it's a really great space you can do like live webinars right on the platform, which I think is a really useful feature. Mm -hmm. So if you have a community that's like really big on doing uh, like virtual events and things like that and having like, you know, group coaching sessions or 
you know, a guest speaker or online workshop or something, you can just do it right on the platform. You don't even need to like create a separate like Zoom link or anything like that. So Geneva is definitely a tool that I constantly admire. And then again, of course, there's Slack. I think that almost everyone in the corporate world and business world uses Slack. So that one's pretty self-explanatory there. Yeah, I know ones I know and I even met the founder of is like NAS.io. They more focus on global community and you're able to monetize, digital monetize like your community. And they have the same features like you were talking about Geneva. You're able to like host live events. They have a group chat. They have even monetization ability to monetize the platform. And they have a bunch of other different platforms. So literally, you only have to use that platform. And they also integrate with um, WhatsApp and other platforms. So it like if you want to message, you're the community manager of a community that you created, of course, figure out your morals, your personal brand, like you figure it out, like on the platform, you're able to kind of like pick out like different things that like you kind of want and kind of like it's just like a really cool platform overall um focusing more on like building global communities and that's one like I definitely recommend there's like circle there's also Maven that also Megan Lois used for a VC 101 course there's just so many and like different platforms and even globally you know a lot of people use whatsapp you know, there's Telegram, I think that's more US thing. And then there's like, WeChat more for people like located in China, but also like, anywhere Then this cacao talk that's more like, for Koreans that use like, yeah, there's just like so many different platforms that you could use. Um, And it's really interesting, there's an increase of like WhatsApp creators and stuff like that. That's something I haven't really explored too much. But I didn't even know like you could actually kind of create content and stuff through WhatsApp and even have like kind of IG story kind of like feature on there. But that's something I definitely like maybe the audience knows way more about <laughs> um, that I do. But yeah, there's just so many different platforms that you can so show your true authentic self. That's awesome. Uh, first of all, I wasn't even aware that you could create content using WhatsApp. So yeah, um, literally after this call, I'm probably going to go check it out for myself I didn't even know you could do that but in terms of you know pricing for these mm. platforms you know like you mentioned that there are many of those that you use that are completely free mm. um you know ones like Geneva are free to use to build your community but then there are ones like circle where you know there are paid membership mm. options right so how do you kind of how do you gauge whether or not you're building the type of community where it's okay for you to pay for the features you're going to be using? Yeah, so that really goes into, like, I know there's some, like, going to the VC area, there is Hampton is a big one, and there's also, what's the another one? It's funny, I remember this symbol, I think it's Founders it Cafe. Cheap? Founders Cafe? Founders Cafe that was created by someone that was um Stanford dropout. She created, I think it's Maddie. She had created that platform. Um, but yeah, like going back to like what you were saying, like building a paid community. Um, I highly just 
I keep on mentioning her, Megan Lloyd, she actually created a whole market map about pink communities. I know I haven't really delved deep into that kind of community too much, but definitely recommend the viewers to like check that out to look at some more paid community examples. But um, oh, wasn't there a fan house? I heard something happened with fan house. One of my friends said something about like the CEO like left or something and I was like oh I never even heard of that but that's more in the creator economy but building like a paid community I feel like depends it helps more when you already have an established kind of group of people that would be interested in what you're creating for example um because the thing is now that there's so many that what value do you add what's your unique touch that will make people want to pay to use your product. A lot of people I know start out with a freemium version and then they may like, okay, their webinars may cost like $2 or something or it could be way more than that. I don't know. But like they could start having like the group chat function be free, but other options be free, uh, um, be paid. Such, I know there's like Rosie I think there's like Rosie land and then there's also some other guy I forget who's big on community oh David David Spinks too they Rosie actually has like a bunch of paid community kind of options and stuff is really like interesting how she managed it but like the group chat may be free but some other like forums and other things maybe you have to pay to access so that's a big thing. I think people considering like having freemium versions and paid stuff. So having like both. And even if you're hosting like an in-person event, like that's a big thing that could be, you could pay um, for people to attend in-person events and stuff. So there's a lot of different ways like anyone in the audience can kind of manage whether they should have a paid one or not. But a big thing I'm like, what do you bring to the table that will make people want to pay? So a big thing is like, just like, interviewing people and talking to people that are within your target audience and figuring out okay like what would you be willing to pay for kind of scoping out like the people like that would be in your community like what would they be willing to pay for is a big thing so like same thing like with any founder they have to kind of scope out you know their target audience and figuring out doing a lot of user interviews, figuring out what they like, what they don't like and doing a lot of that kind of stuff. So it's the same thing going with like a paid community. And then some people honestly just start <laughs> like, they're just like, oh, who cares? Let me just start with something, you know? That's a big thing too. That's definitely um, kind of how I've tended towards in the past where I'll get an idea for something mm -hmm. and then you know, next thing you know, I'm like buying a domain, setting up a Geneva mm -hmm. chat board yeah. and everything. But we didn't talk much about how market research can play such a huge role in building a successful mm -hmm. community. And, you know, like you just kind of touched on, knowing what people want and knowing what people will pay for can really help you determine your value proposition, especially if you're going into community building in a space that's already super saturated. Yeah, you hit it right on the nail. <laughs> <laughs> so once you kind of have that narrowed down how do you go about actually finding people to join your community I feel like this is where so many people kind of get stuck because you know they'll do like their logo for the community have that branding down they'll 
you know, set up an email address, set up the actual like channel itself online, especially if it's totally free. But then how do you get people in the door? How do you get them actually interested in joining? What do you have to do? Well, a big thing is doing things that don't grow. Like, for example, like, well, just in general, doing things that don't grow is like doing individual like meetings, like with people and even talking with people. So let's go a little bit back, like going into content creating, which we talked on a little bit before, like when you choose that platform that you want to create on, um, posting relevant relevant content that will basically satisfies the needs of once of your target audience and of course over time you'll gain traction with those people and those people like once they join your community they follow you they decide to like or comment on your things following up with them is a big thing like hey i noticed you like my recent post um i would love to get in touch like to learn more about you or whatever i'm trying to do like x y and z with this um with this community and you could we set up a chat like sometimes in the beginning it's just doing those things like that don't scale like setting up meetings with people how about like those people that are following you going back and following them liking their comment commenting on their content content a lot of big things is doing those little things that really help for example some of your favorite content creators or even content creators you have seen a lot of times you see them comment um, back really nice things to their followers like in the comment section and stuff like that and think how much time that took for them or if they hired someone to do all those little things so I definitely recommend people doing things that don't scale that's awesome and a really good point Um, especially because I feel like you kind of, you're an extension of your community when you're posting on LinkedIn, posting on Instagram, posting on Twitter. You know, I feel like people kind of get a sense for the vibe they're going to be joining when, you know, you're posting whatever it is you're posting online. So when you do something nice, like you interact with someone who commented on your Twitter post or whatever, and, you know, you made them feel welcome, you made them feel good, whatever it may be, you know, people want to join a community where they know they're going to be paid attention to, where they know they're going to get help, where they know people are going to be responsive to what they're asking, uh, regardless of what their reason was for joining that community. So when you can show that, you know, you tend to be a trustworthy, reliable person on your public social media, people will get the sense that, you know, you'll they'll be able to see that same person running this community yeah and even like the people if you decide to build a team like being very careful who you add to your team the same thing like I know like Jasmine what you experience with founders is like sometimes they add people to their team so fast like they're like okay I know my morals my values I have my personal brand I have my content creating. Oh, I know this is taking a long time. Like maybe let me have some other team members. Like, oh, this person is in charge of marketing. This person does like the design or whatever. Having adding too many people too fast can be something that can be a detriment. Sometimes like a founder, they have to hone their community first for a while 
before they start adding different people to their platform, you know? For sure. That's such a good point because I think that so many times, especially if you're a really entrepreneurial person, mm-hmm. I think so many times you tend to think about like, well, what can I outsource? You know, mm-hmm. what do I have to do for this community or for this brand or for this business that I really hate doing? And how can I get somebody else on board to take over that task ASAP? You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes you end up just shooting yourself in the foot when you're thinking so hard on like, well, how do I just free up my plate and just give all of this work to somebody, just anybody, you know? Yeah, basically, like, it's just like really interesting who you bring on to your team, like to even start like a community, like it's great just to start like really small or just like even with yourself. For sure. So let's turn it a little bit to community engagement, right? Mm -hmm. So you got people in the door. Now they're Mm -hmm. in their community, right? Some of them pretty much run themselves. I feel like I've seen so many massive communities where it it looks like the moderator or the founder of the community doesn't even have to do much work Mm. to get people active and engaged. But then there may be other communities out there that require regular moderation and regular input from the group founder. So how can we set ourselves up to build an engaging community that people enjoy participating in and have no problem just taking the reins for themselves in yeah so that actually goes back to my experience like I actually created over 300 plus group chats for different organizations um, startups and for my university so I definitely learned what it helps like creating a really good group chat so for my experiences a lot of times in the beginning it helps when you onboard people like all at the same time. Of course, that isn't possible all at the same. Isn't possible at the whole time to onboard people all at the same time. Um, but like sometimes, like when people come all at once, like if you have the chat already set up, a big thing is having those chats. If it is a chat or whatever, already kind of like set up. And a big thing is like having people introduce themselves is a big thing, but also commenting on everything. So when people do join, greeting them and stuff like that. A big thing I like to do is I have this own little template that I like to use for people like using their name, their what country they're from, um, what's if it's kind of mines have been sometimes usually geared towards university students. So it was like their major and then I always like to add especially interests because that's a big thing where you can get more into like if someone likes to pay soccer or stuff you can talk about oh like what's your favorite soccer team stuff like that um even if it isn't related to if it's a VC community like people have other interests too so a big thing is doing those things when people join immediately engaging with them um even I've seen on the Geneva account uh, a founder she was doing a really good job right when people joined the cool thing about Geneva is that you can input all your information beforehand you join the group chat so the person that created the community they can kind of see what your interests are and stuff like that and I'll be like oh hey I see that like you're into you do platform whatever at a VC could you share more about your experiences or like what firm is it like kind of things like that 
So the big thing is when people join that community is doing a lot of user engagement with them and commenting, um, always saying at least something about whether it was their major, their name, where they were born, what the country or their interests, like really making sure they engage on those topics. And then going on is when it help when it's helpful to have other community engagers. Like for example, one chat I created for international students at my university, I was given all the international students counts and I created them all on WhatsApp was a big thing, uh, was actually um, like going back to trying to tie up my thoughts uh, was like, I always sometimes I like trail off. Uh, so going back to kind of like doing engagement, but also posting valuable content in there, in the chat. So the resources that they need, needed um, since it was their first year on campus. Um, also events and stuff. For example, there may be VC events if it's a VC kind of related chat, kind of posting those kind of events. So always giving extreme value and people are always looking for jobs. So it was always cool to be able to post things about jobs. And then connecting people together is really helpful. Being like, oh, I see Jack joined. Susie also like soccer too. Like those are little things that could like build community or people are like, oh, oh you're from Singapore. I know so-and-so that's from Singapore. So even tying in people that you know from your network, whether or not they're in their group chat, bonus if they are in that community, kind of tying on them in. So like people are building relationships with each other. And connecting with each other and then it is helpful to have multiple community moderators because that's something I learned um through my experience working for actually a UC Berkeley um group chat um not group chat startup which was consumer social we had like 350 universities in the U.S. and Canada on the platform it was helpful for me to start having community monitors. So people that were most active in the chat, giving them the award of being most active in chat and letting them be community moderators. So helping me in the process of welcoming new people and stuff like that really helps instead of you just talking to yourself if people decide not to be. You know, you, I bet everyone in the audience has kind of joined those dead group chats that no one talks and stuff. So eliminating that with having not just you saying, oh my gosh, having multiple people do it. So even in the international chat, which I kind of stumbled upon talking about, it was really helpful for me. I was able to do two people I knew that were very active on campus and they they like to talk a lot through texting. So I immediately was like, hey, can you be my moderator in the beginning? And that like hit it off. And even like now that I'm even not involved in the community, it's still super active and people are adding people to the group chat because there, was, there wasn't any group chat like that before. And we really took it off, making sure to provide a lot of value. It's always adding extra value, taking it to the upper scale. What do you have that no other community has? It, be, it could be the best connections and the best resources and value. So those are some little tips about community engagement, um, particularly to kind of like the group chat kind of realm. I love that because when I think of group chats, and especially if you're like me and you join like a dozen or more mm -hmm. different group chats all in the same like 
industry or related industries, you know, when I'm in a group chat, I kind of sometimes think like, what do I want to always be coming back to this chat for? Mm -hmm. Is it because they're always posting the best events? Is it because they're always posting the best job opportunities? Is it because there's always someone in that chat who answers my business questions in minutes? You know, what is it about that online community, online group chat that constantly has me like thinking like, okay, I can rely on them for this, you know? Yep. And also I definitely want to um, kind of echo that sentiment about having introductions completely set up in every single chat I've joined. This has been the case where you know, the founder will require or not require, but like request kindly <laughs> that everyone intros themselves using, you know, your name, whatever school you went to, or what your current occupation is, uh, what your interests are, what you want to get out of this group. And without fail, mm -hmm. there are always people who, you know, will take that as an opportunity to connect with one another when they see that like oh we have the same background or oh we're both trying to get the same job like let's connect offline and you know share resources or whatever the case may be so that that's such a really good tip for getting engagement right off the bat yeah because a big thing in consumer world is getting that word of mouth metrics so when people are willing to share like as I was sharing Megan's Gen CBC um community the Slack channel like that's word of mouth because I'm like telling it to you that's a huge metric that is really important for any consumer you know community hit because that's when you know it's that's when it's helped to accelerate your basically you know amount of people in your community and stuff because we're like oh wow I never heard of that community with 20,000 people or whatever, with all these people from venture capital all around the world. Like, that's so interesting. Like, um, it just really helps, like, when when people share, like, even share things, like, through, you know, people that they know and stuff like that. So if we do have a community where we find ourselves just talking into a void mm -hmm. a lot, <laughs> like, more often than mm -hmm. not, is that a sign that maybe we need to change up like the type of content we're posting or mm. what do what do we do from there? Yeah, when you have a dead chat, it's definitely hard to revive it. A big thing is like sometimes individually doing like, again, those things that don't scale, like those people, again, like kind of checking in on them, seeing how they're doing, blah, 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 kind of doing, kind of starting from scratch in a sense a little bit like kind of figuring out like what their needs are, what their wants are and stuff like that. But I think it's just casually reaching out, just asking how they are. Hey, could we still set up a chat? Because through a chat, like you can find out a lot about people, what they want mm -hmm. and what they don't want, even indirectly, <laughs> like without asking. Um, so as you know, like the VC community, they're good at like reading people. So like definitely learning how like to overall like, basically regain rhythm in a group chat is a lot of times is doing things like that um because the thing is if people keep on joining seeing his dad they're gonna like end up leaving so a big thing is like trying to not let that happen because it's kind of hard 
I know there is like some platforms that um I know not all platforms allow you to do it, but they have like an at all feature. So that's when you can ping everyone that's in that community to respond to or something. But yeah, overall, I just think reaching back to the people that are in their commuting, seeing like how they're doing and stuff. Because sometimes like if their notifications are all turned off and stuff, they're not even going to enter that community anymore. If a lot of people didn't see like there's any value. And the big thing is like you could always start like fresh, like start a new one. Like if it is that just like starting fresh again, be like once you do those, like again, those one-on-one meetings figuring out like reassessing yourself too like what do what are my values my personal brand going back into the content that I'm posting in this group chat figuring out kind of like kind of basically taking like a little like rewind of basically assessment of everything so that's what I definitely will recommend to people I also just thought about this but Having a community platform that's very mobile friendly, I think, could also potentially play a role in, you know, engagement of your community. Because when I think about it, it's like, you may not always have your personal laptop on you, right? Mm. Especially if you're commuting into an office for work, and that's where you are for eight, nine, 10 hours in a day, you may not always have that personal laptop to open up and respond to your community messages. But most people typically always have their phones on them. So it's like if they're on their lunch break or, you know, even if they're just on the subway or whatever, you know, they get that notification on their phone. Well, now they can just very easily open up the app and see what's going on, respond if, you know, they feel so inclined to responding. Um, But I just thought of that uh, and how like have just simply having a mobile friendly um, application or platform for your community can really make a difference in the way people choose to respond within your community. And I think the good news is that a lot of community platforms and platform tools um, actually are pretty mobile friendly nowadays. So um, I don't, I don't know if like you're seeing something different on your end, but I think it sounds like, you know, that's definitely a huge plus on, on that road. Yeah, I do agree. I I do know. I do recall one. I think Maven. I don't think they have a mobile version. I think there are some platforms that don't have haven't rolled out with a mobile version, but most I think do have a mobile, just because it's just so much easier since it's something you always have on the go and like maybe not everyone even has access to laptops and computers and stuff they may just have their phone or whatever so like yeah I think it's definitely helpful having mobile friendly uh, platform to um, create like first for sure so how do you judge whether or not you've built a successful community and I'm and I'm saying successful like fairly loosely because I think success looks very different to a lot of people you know for some for one person a successful community could be literally a group of 20 people who are always responding right and for others you know maybe their idea of having a successful community is like you know 100k plus people so how do we kind of navigate to finding those metrics for success for ourselves yeah, so going back to what you're saying, it all 
depends on the person and the metrics. There are some like community metrics. I know David Spinks goes into that a lot. Um, how to measure a successful community and they have all these like rankings and questions that you can like kind of ask your community um basically questions on like traction and certain things and there's a certain rating that's like the best um but that's actually uh yeah so I personally don't have like those specific metrics like in my head remembering those questions stuff but I know for me, going back to what you were saying, Jasmine, about defining success is all different for people, different people. For me, I never was like, I want like 100 million followers and people like that. Because I'm more focused on like the kind of trend of niche community. So forming people that I closely like know, I've had like one-on-one coffee chats with but also some people that, you know, just casually like exploring like my network. So for me, the reason why I created my personal brand was to break into venture capital. So that's the all reason I created the group check queen, but also to give a voice to underrepresented um, Gen Z investors and founders since I created came from a non-target university as a lot of people and this audience may relate to, and also from a non-traditional background as a civil engineer. So a big thing was like, I want to create something that I wish I had. That's what a lot of people like to create, like things that I wish I had when I was younger or whatever. So for me, it was definitely like the idea of success was creating a community of people that had, were like-minded. So for me, it wasn't really on the big metrics. It's just people that I can talk with, you know, casually have coffee chats with me in person. Like when I was in Chicago, I was able to meet so many people in person, people sharing with me events that I would have never known about if I didn't have a social media presence. And also like a big one is even getting job opportunities. Um, A big thing about me, all my job opportunities that I got outside of school, I got all through social media. So everything from my VC internship all the way down to the working for a couple UC Berkeley startups, I got it all through social media. So that those were really my metrics going back to ESA on success and even defining like um, success for everyone is different. So those were kind of like what I looked at. Um, yeah. That's amazing. I, I really love that you brought that point up and especially I want I especially want to echo that point on you know just having communities that tend to kind of fit the mold of what you yourself feel like you need at any given moment you know and especially in VC I think that there are so many uh online groups and communities that specifically cater to people who are looking to break into VC or people who are from underrepresented backgrounds who want more resources in the startup space, or even women who are startup founders and want resources for themselves. So there really are so many different amazing communities out there, each achieving, you know, varying level uh, levels of success. And, you know, honestly, from what I'm seeing, getting more successful every single day. So I think that's a really encouraging thing uh, to think about. Yeah, overall, that is like really cool. For sure. So how do we bring 
an online community offline in a successful way yeah a big thing is just like hosting an event in the major city I know a lot of people do that like you know the main ones being like California or New York like having a huge like in-person like RL RIL R IRL like kind of thing like where people <laughs> just like kind of like meet in person and having it in advance so people could like book their travel invites and stuff like that because that's a big thing I've seen even people do like retreats so like retreats of course this will be a paid thing but like having a retreat at a certain location where we all go on this certain trip or whatever this certain resort or something all together so definitely I think at least having like people have been able to like just host like an online event like in a major city is really helpful just because a lot of people may in your community may already be based there and it's an easy travel destination of course it may be a longer flight for some other people but um it's just a great way for people to also meet other people in the city because you can do partnerships with other communities that are kind of like yours too so for example like as a certain space like you know someone else in the community maybe they have their own community or something that's in the city that you're thinking about hosting you can always do like a partnership with them or like some people you know get sponsors um once they get a certain big amount of community they're able to get a company to kind of sponsor them to have an in-person event that's a big thing um and then always encouraging people to like post their experiences online and stuff like that so that's a big way also to have a successful in-person event is making sure like having hashtags, like having your own maybe hashtag, you know, um, a big thing is, like, oh, having like a photo booth or stuff like at the events, having a great like place where places where people can take pictures and have props and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways like you can translate a digital community to be like in person. Um, yeah. And I think what's also really effective about having an event sponsor or partnering with, you know, for example, a small VC firm that's local to wherever you're hosting the event, what's really effective about that is that they will then publicize that event to all of their followers on LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever, as well as to their employees too. So now you're getting this event out to even more people, even if you have a really small online community of your of your own, you know, you're now getting this event out to even more people um, for free, I might add, you know, uh, and you're you're helping people discover your community, you know, so those individuals who join that event, they could potentially be the newest members in your community. Yep. That's awesome. This has been such a great conversation, Natalie. Thank you so much again for joining me to talk all things community. Lastly, just tell us where we can find you and the group chat queen brands. Yeah, so I'm definitely the most active on LinkedIn, which is just my name, Natalie, like Natalie Portman then Neptune, like the planet. And that's where I'm the most accessible. Um, I also have like my own website called thegroupchatqueen.com, which is also accessible through my LinkedIn and also like my Instagram where I post more about my college experiences. And that's where you can see where I started kind of from scratch for content creating and building my 
community before I even created my personal brand is the Natalie Neptune, um, which is my Instagram. And then on Twitter, it's like Natalie Neptune with a one at the end. I don't know if there's another Natalie Neptune out there, but that's like the Twitter handle where I do post some more things about community. There is another Natalie Neptune out there. And one time I accidentally tagged her instead of you in a tweet. So so there's that. (laughs) But thank you so much again um, for joining us. If you made it this far, I want to thank you for starting your week with the Venture to the Top podcast. My only ask is that you help others discover this show by rating and subscribing to the podcast. It also helps a ton if you share this episode with a friend who you know will enjoy it. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter so you can stay updated on the show and so we can keep the conversation going. If you want to be a guest on this podcast or know someone who does, pitch to me at VentureToTheTopPodcast at gmail.com. I'm your host, Jasmine Suknanen, and I'll catch you in the next episode.